Hello, and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey, while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co-host, B from Core and Flora Store, and this is the Great Birth Rebellion. Woo, okay. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode 20 of the Great Birth Rebellion, and we are here piggybacking again with Nigel from our last week's episode, episode 19, and Nigel's here to talk to us about sterile water injections, and if you want an introduction to Nigel, please listen to episode 19, where he gave us a beautiful introduction to himself but your phd was on sterile water injections wasn't it nigel yes it was yes and can i i tell story i came to one of your sterile water injection workshops at the normal birth conference that you were running and we oh, had, in prague not in prague, prague? Oh. no no in it was that probably, was new south wales that was homebush yeah homebush. It? It was five yeah. years ago five years ago Miguel and i first met yeah it all links in I know. So Nigel was there. I did the sterile water injection workshop then, and you gave us the opportunity to either, we had to practice on each other, to either inject ourselves with saline, which doesn't hurt, Mm -hmm. or the sterile water injections, which we'll talk about later, can be perceived as incredibly painful. Mm -hmm. I opted to have the, the salt water injection. So to this day, do not really truly know what a sterile watering feels like. I am so disappointed by that. I would have <laughs> thought that you would have gone for the water. I've had them and I just, oh, I'm disappointed. I did not expect the story to go like that. Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was pregnant at the time and I thought, why put myself through this right now in my pregnancy? I don't need to feel pain. I would have been up for it because that's what I am like. I would have totally been up for it if I wasn't pregnant, but I'm like, I'm going to do my pregnant self a favor and not add any stress to my body. And there was only one woman in the group who had opted to try the sterile water injections. And she requested that we stop the procedure partway through. So we only got halfway through her sterile water injections. Um, we used to practice on each other on night shift and I used to let the students practice on me and what? Nigel's probably clue. No, with, yeah, with water. Yeah, I've had water several times. I've let them practice because I think it's, I mean, I'm not, and Nigel will dive into this, but um, it is different when you're not in labour and experiencing physiological pain as to when you're not and night shift adds a whole other element. I think that was like I stopped taking them. But I liked them to experience experience the reaction because I feel like that's part of learning um the first time I had it done to me I physically went to hit the midwife behind me like I actually (laughs) just lashed out to hit her to make her stop and I said swear words that I didn't even know existed and people are like oh it's just a little bee sting the way I explain it is that it feels like someone has lit a match on your back and I and I've always had the feedback that that feels more accurate but the whole aim of it is to experience that intense short pain to take away the pain or to minimize uh manage the pain that is there for a longer period of time we are going to get together at our midwifery party and i am going to practice on you i'm going to let everyone practice with water oh my gosh well okay let's let's start so i love that you're protecting yourself in pregnancy all right i'm going to mute myself now
All right, we'll start from the beginning. So, Nigel, firstly, let's talk about the procedure of giving a sterile water injection. Mm -hmm. How's it done? Can you talk us through the steps? Okay, so when we use it for back pain, um, it's usually four injections. They can either be intradermal, which is just under the skin, or subcutaneous, which is a little bit deeper. And in Australia, we tend to use the intradermal one. So the, it's a really small amount of water. It's literally between sort of 0.1 and 0.3 of a mil. So it's literally like a couple of drops of water, and we inject those intradermally uh, at four points surrounding the back pain. doesn't have to be any particular four points, just as long as it kind of borders them. And the injection of the water, as, as you described, it's really quite painful, but for, for a fairly short period of time, usually for about 10 or 20 seconds. And it's one of the reasons why we kind of give this during a contraction. So I kind of bundle all that pain together and we can pretty well guarantee, you know, tell the woman once your contraction's gone, then the pain of the injections will be gone as well. And that description of wasp, of bee sting, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's often been used, but I find it's a bit problematic because it does vary from, you know, the experience of that from one person to another. And I think the experience of the water injections is quite different. I just say, look, it's going to be, it's going to be more painful than your contractions for that 15, 20 seconds, and then it will go away. My experience has been that two midwives will do the procedure together. So you'd yep. each have some water and do two of the blebs because they come up when you inject the bit of water, you can see a little small bleb about this, you know, the shape of a pea kind of, a little bit less yes. than a pea. Yeah. yeah, and so if you do it together, that shortens the time in which it takes to do the procedure because it's two peep, it's halves the time of the procedure. Oh, yes, it's much easier to do with, with two midwives and it, it literally takes a couple of seconds mm -hmm. um, to give these two injections for midwives who are reasonably practised at it. Yes. So for people really understanding, we literally use the tiniest, tiniest needle. Like we use like insulin kind of needles mm. um, with the smallest little hole and we just go right underneath the skin. So the needle almost is like horizontal to your skin and it's, yeah, it's not going, I think people think, is it going into my back? Is it going into my spine? Is it going into muscle? It's not. It's really just right under the skin. And it, 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 I mean, if people don't understand what a bleb is, it really just looks like a blister. Like you, you've, you're creating a blister. And from my experience, the better looking the blister, the better, the more efficient uh, or effective, more, the more effective, I mean, that they are. I don't, what you raised there was a really good point because I wanted to talk to you about this today. You said it doesn't really matter where you put them because I think we've become quite obsessed. I've definitely seen it in different workplaces around the dots have to be here. And so people will mark on the person with pen where the dots need to be and then they'll have to clean the area with a sterile swab so the pen mark gets removed and people have gotten really fixated where. I know for me, I've always just asked the person where the pain is and I've actually been very rebellious and I've done them in the hips quite a few times. Mm, yeah, so I know I. your research. Yeah, great. Okay. Now I feel better because I was like, am I going to be exposing myself here? But I've had um, women who have had horrendous hip pain. So they haven't had back pain. When people experience back pain or hip pain, or some people will experience thigh pain during their labor, it's quite a different pain to the contraction pain. And I would describe it as pathophysiological pain. So the uterine, uterine pain that um, people experience or the surge or the contraction, whatever you want to call it, is it often a physiological pain that is caused by the body working hard. Pathophysiological pain does feel different and the body responds to it differently. And a lot of people who have experienced pathophysiological pain will say that's their biggest thing. So I have used sterile inje water injections in other parts and they've 
they've worked incredibly, especially on the hips. Um, when I say other parts, I've just used them on the hips, but I've never been specific. So it, that's what you're saying too, right? That you can oh, use is. them in other areas and it doesn't have to be this, this is where they go and this is where they go. Like I think midwives can get really caught up and anxious about doing them in the right spot, the right spot, and I'm doing comma inverted marks there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you raise a number of issues there. I mean, the first is, is the, the different quality of, of, of back pain as, a, as opposed to kind of front, normal front contraction pain. That normal contraction pain comes and goes. So it's cyclic. It's there for, for 40, 50 seconds, and then it goes away for a couple of minutes. And most women have kind of, have kind of you know, thought about, okay, how am I going to deal with this pain that comes and goes and it's going to be in the front? And I've got all these strategies for that, and that's great. Back pain, quite in quite a number of cases, is, is continuous. It's there all the time. It might ease off a little bit after the contraction, but then it comes back and really sort of swells up with, with the contraction itself. So there's always some degree of back pain there. And it's often completely unpredictable. Women don't kind of plan to have a back labour. So, you know, they kind of think, okay, this is something I really haven't planned for. And it really, from the qualitative work we've done with women, it really stops them in their tracks. So it's they just feel it completely rooted to one spot. All the plans that they've made kind of go out the window. They're just concentrating on getting through this horrendous back pain. It's either their continuously or from getting worse one contraction to another. So by being able to relieve that back pain, they can go back onto using mobility and all the other strategies that we're going to deal with with a normal sort of abdominal contraction pain. And in terms of, of where the, where we put the ejections, I mean, you know, we've often taught sort of specific anatomical points, and this is because, you know, hospitals and, and workshops and that sort of thing like something that's fairly concrete. So if we say, okay, put two there, two there, that's easier than trying to conceptualise where else you might, be, might put them. They like a bit of certainty around where these injections should go. But you know, other my usual practice is just get them to the point where it where it's most painful, and that sometimes will be somewhere between the, the middle and lower back, uh, and then just plot four points surrounding that. So if you know maybe a point at ten o'clock and two o'clock, and then one at sort of seven o'clock and 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 three or four o'clock, if you're kind of thinking about a, a clock face, just so it kind of borders that particular area. Uh, and I've certainly used them quite a number of times for hip pain as you talk about, and that's really just two injections either side. And again, getting at the point where it hurts the most, pop two injections either side of, of the hip pain, uh, and that seems to work quite well as well. Which is safe to do because it's the exact, yes. you know, we're putting it in the intradermal space, which, you know, whether it's on the back or the hips. So what you talked about before was this back pain that stops people in their traps, and we hear that, right, over and over again. I just didn't know what to do, and it just became all-consuming. What typically was offered to people in that situation and in, still is in many settings is an epidural to take the pain away because that's all that can really take the pain away. But what your PhD showed was that actually the sterile water injections were just as effective and they actually reduced epidural rates. Is that correct? It didn't do – because of the – Back pain usually occurs in the really early stages of labour. So it's that, you know, when we talk about sort of that, that sort of latent phase, up around about for women gets to about sort of three, somewhere between about three and five centimetres. So it tends to be a feature of women having their first baby. It's much more, two or three times more common in women having their first baby. And it's much more common in that three to five centimetre range. Epidurals classically go in a little bit later. But what women did say was that it was, you know, compared to nitrous oxide and and pethidine and things like that, that it was much more effective than those in reducing their back pain and certainly just reducing exposure to narcotics, uh, even in the early stages of labour, I think it's a good thing. Didn't have a huge amount of effect on epidural rates themselves. So we anecdotally, we certainly heard from multiprous women who said, look, you know, if that back pain had continued, I would have opted for an epidural, but that I didn't. 
but we didn't have a lot of multiprice women in, in the study because it occurs mainly in women who've had and multiprice, I mean, women who've had like one or more babies as opposed to having their first baby. If we'd had more multiprice women, we might have seen that effect more, uh, probably more markedly, I think. And so the main use of these sterile water injections then are for women who are having a labour with a baby that's posterior or malpositioned, which is causing that back pain, or is it? There's actually, you know, that's that's a, a common sort of association midwives make, that, that OP equals back pain and back pain equals OP. But actually, we've got no evidence to really support that. What we, when we look at the the evidence from our study and from previous studies, is that there are almost equal number of women who have non-OP positions and OP positions get back pain. So it doesn't really seem to be associated with with fetal position in any, any real sense. Some studies, you know, have looked at risk risk factors. If you get your menstrual cramps in your back, you're much more likely to end up with your labour pains in your back as well, because that's just the way you're wired up. Some of our in our studies, there was some suggestion that if you've had a previous back injury or if you had a sore back during during pregnancy, that probably sensitizes the area and you're probably more likely to get back pain in labor. We, the biggest study we did, was, which was just over 1,100 women, all of whom had back pain, only 40% of those women had babies in an OP position. The rest of them were in non-OP positions. I didn't know that research. That's really fascinating to me as no, a midwife. It's, but culturally, it's out there, right? Oh, if you have, if you've got, and then there's that freak out. If you've got back pain, then your baby's posterior, and then they freak out, and, and that adds a whole other dimension to them feeling like they've lost control in their labour. Yeah, I mean, the majority of back pain is referred pain, which means that you know, referred pain is is pain that that comes from one particular part of the body, but it's not felt there. It's felt in the back instead so if you you know if you treat the back pain what we call so essentially we we provide referred analgesia so we'll put the injections in and that essentially provides that kind of very sharp stimulus so the body sort of starts not no longer focusing on on the the source of the back pain focus on focuses on the the large sting that neurological gate is closed to the to the uterine pain that's causing the back pain and hence it you know goes away or gets um goes relieved significantly from the water injection all right, I have three questions that I'd love to cover. I'm interested to know, uh, well, can you tell us about the history of sterile water injections? Because this isn't a brand new invention oh, no. in labour. There's a, there's a massive history of sterile water injections. Can you talk us through that? Oh, well, yeah. so it, it actually started way back in, again, back, back around sort of the 1880s. There was a, uh, a surgeon in the US, and this was prior to the, the discovery of cocaine, which was the first sort of real anaesthetic agent. So he would, as a, as a way of sort of providing anaesthesia before surgery, he would put still a line, a parallel, two parallel lines of still water injections along where he was going to cut, because he found that if you gave those water injections, then the area between the two lines of water injections will become numb. So that was the first use of it. And, and then they discovered cocaine, which of course became much more popular amongst patients and surgeons alike. And then they started using it in France for sciatica. So they would inject those painful points in sciatica with, with high saline uh, solutions and sometimes dextro solutions, mixtures of, of water and sugar. And that seemed to work. And then it was in the late 60s, they started using it probably in, in more of the Eastern Bloc countries for treating renal colic. Uh, and there's still quite a lot of really good research around its use in treating kidney stone pain. Uh, and again, because a lot of that's referred to the back from the, from the, from the kidney itself. And then it was, um, eventually used. The first studies were probably in the seventies where it was started to be used for, um, for back pain during labor. And it was that very famous French obstetrician whose name suddenly escapes me. Michelle Odont. That's the one. Yes. 
he was one of the first ones to use it for uh, for treating back pain. And then the, the randomised trials started up in sort of in the Scandinavian countries and we kind of pushed on from there. Is there any research around it being done for like endometriosis or period pain or anything like that? Not there were, There's some anecdotal stuff around that, but not in terms of randomised trials or any sort of um, formal research, no. Yeah, because if you're taking away the pain and you're taking away the tension, which is then f- therefore going to reduce the pain even more in the long term, like it, like it's so cheap and easy to do. It would just be incredible that pharmaceutical companies would make no money out of it. So there's probably no funding for the big studies on it. But just I just want to put it out there. If you're like, mm, I want to do some research on this, please do it. Because I think for in terms of women's health and women's pain, it would be, just be massively, in- incredibly positively changing for us. Do do we know how sterile water injections work? That mechanism by which they work. Um, we've got a, a reasonable idea, you know, not entirely, but, but essentially from that gate control I was describing earlier, where there is a you know some sort of physiological structure in the spinal cord that makes the body focus on one pain or another. You know, it will be focused on that sort of uterine initiated back pain, and then you get that very sort of strong, sharp focus, and that literally closes the gate to one pain and opens it to another, and that's. You know, we've used that in sort of counter-irritation methods. If you apply a hot pack or something like that or a massage, it's essentially the same sort of of stimulus response. And then there's the, the relief of endorphins, which are these like morphine-like substances that your body produces to help sort of cope with pain. And there are different types of endorphins that are produced for different types of pain. So the And they often work quite locally as well. And the women often tell us about, you know, after they've had the injections, they get this nice euphoric feeling and nice warm sort of numb sensation around their back. So we think it's probably a combination of the two because one of the things about water injections is it works really quickly. It usually takes effect within a minute or two of the injections being given. Uh, and that's probably the gate control kicking in because it's a very, very sort of fast uh, ascending response. Uh, and then it can last for sort of 90 minutes to two hours, which is probably contributed to by the endorphin production because the endorphins will then kick in and prolong the, the analgesia over that period of time. So can you talk us through your research? What did your research How did you do it? What did it show? So one of the things, you know, we've talked about how water injections can be really painful and that's kind of the downside of it. Yep, they work really well. And when we, you know, we give these injections to women, they usually say to us, yep, that worked really well, but just don't do that to me again. That really hurt. So we kind of think, okay, one of the great things about water injections, is just water and you can repeat it as often as you want. But the injection pain is a bit of a deterrent to that. So we've kind of been looking at ways of reducing the injection pain. Of course, one of the obvious things is, you know, if we reduce the number of injections, does that reduce the injection pain? And then do we still get a, the same sort of analgesic response? So one of the tr- studies in my PhD was, was a, a randomized trial comparing four, four injections to one injection. And what we found that they both provide good analgesia, four injections provide a better analgesia that lasted for longer, but having one injection was less painful, significantly less painful. But the, the analgesia wasn't as, as good and it didn't last quite as long. So it was a bit of a trade-off there. Uh, but it does mean, you know, if you're a lone midwife at a, at a home birth or something like that, you could give one injection quite happily and you know you would still get would still get some analgesia from it. And do we know how effective it is? Like if you gave sterile water injections to 100 women, how many of those women would actually feel the effect of the injection? Uh, about 80 to 85% would get a response. So the response is really quite reliable. And that's a that's a, a good response in terms of probably at least a 30% reduction in pain. And we know there's around about a, a 10 to 15% failure rate, which is unfortunate because they still get the injection pain, but for some reason or another, it doesn't work. And that's 
probably not bad. The you know epidurals have around about a 10 to 15 percent failure rate. If you're using morphine during labour, it's it's about 60 percent, 60 to 70 percent of women don't get good relief from morphine. Similarly, from nitrous oxide, mm-hmm. so it, it's 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 pretty reliable in terms of its effectiveness. So if you gave those same 100 women that injection, how many would find it so unacceptable that they wouldn't accept it again? Have you have you researched women's experience? Well, we have. And um, I think there, there are two answers to that is the fact that probably about three quarters would say, no, don't do that to me again because that really hurt. And, and hence we're kind of you know moving on with different ways of, of of trying to reduce the injection pain. The other thing is that, that because back pain tends to occur at – the early stages of labour, once you've taken it away for a couple of hours, well, the rest of the, the labour continues on and, the, and the, those front abdominal contraction pains uh, start to become, you know, stronger and stronger. So they start thinking about, okay, what can I do about those? Mm-hmm. So a lot will sort of go on to strategies and other and other analgesics to, to, um, to address that. So they're kind of not thinking about their back pain anymore because we fixed that, but now they're thinking about something else. So part of it's because they don't want it because it hurt too much. Part of it's because they've moved on from that particular back pain and they don't need it any longer. But certainly we, we've we had probably about 10% of women who've gone back and had second or third injections. What we do know is the injections work just as well on repeat as they do on the first time. So if it worked the first time, then they can expect to get... It, very likely it'll, it will work again, yeah, just as well. And are there any side effects to having sterile water injections? No, pretty well. The only side effect is that 15, 20 seconds of pain. After that, none at all. We've probably enrolled close to 2,000 women in our randomised trials, just the ones that I've run, and there's probably been a couple of thousand enrolled in other studies, and none of our studies have reported any shorter or shorter long-term side effects from water injections other than just the injection pain. Yeah, so it's completely safe. And it's safe, it's cheap, it's easy. Like yep. it's, it's sterile water and an insulin needle, like the cheapest needle you probably get. The, the, the little insulin needles, they're, they're, they're pretty common. They're not hard to come by. Um, yeah. So how do we have any idea of how far this has been implemented? Yeah. Because I've been doing it for 12 years. Like it, it feels like it should just be in, in everyone's practice, but I'm not saying that. Yeah, when we started this research, it was, it was it was pretty uncommon. It was probably used more extensively in Victoria, not much in New South Wales, hardly at all in Queensland, and, and not at all in South Australia, Western Australia, and, and the Territory. But now, uh, and based somewhat on our research and, and the you know, conference presentations, etc., most states now have guidelines for water injections. But then the blockage is probably getting introduced into hospitals and getting getting it sort of seen as standard care, and that remains. A bit problematic in some places. You know, we can run workshops and midwives will come to them and they think this is really great. And then they go back to the hospitals and the hospitals say, well, you've got to develop a policy and procedure and you've got to train everyone up. And and that that's not an easy process. And even when that is in place, then it's just kind of reminding midwives that, you know, this is actually available and you can use it. Some midwives are put off by the injection pain. Then there are other areas where or other hospitals that use it quite commonly. So if you are pregnant right now listening to this, ask your care provider or if you're in fragmented care and you don't have a known care provider, ask them at your next appointment if it's done, if it's commonly done, and there are many people trained in it. I think, you know, there is a lot of anxiety around midwives giving it, but I think if we really, you know, it's just under the skin, practice on each other with normal saline it does, so it doesn't hurt um, and know that it doesn't have to be these fixed points, I think, think midwives would take a bit of a breath and be more willing to start to practice on it. Like midwives know how to administer medicine 
via a needle. So it's possible for them to do. It's not and it's not oh, even yeah. medicine. It's just it's, terrible it, water. It is, it's, you know, it's a very, very simple procedure. It doesn't actually involve any skills that midwives don't already possess. All midwives can give injections. They're just, they're just yeah. very, very shallow injections. And sometimes, you know, I think the simplicity of it kind of works against it. If it was a bit more technical... <laughs> We, yeah. we probably wouldn't be having these problems. An obstetrician once kind of saw me do it and he said, oh, that's just midwifery voodoo. That's, you know. Yeah. Think, oh, okay. But, you know, then it worked and you thought, oh, okay, maybe there is something to this. So take so is a needle into the spine uh, obstetric voodoo? Well, yeah. <laughs> is that what well, no, it's far more is? technical. And Nigel, you, I was having a little sleuth around the internet and you've proposed a trial for sterile water injections abdominally. Yes, which we're undertaking. Um, can I mention the hospital? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's it up to you. Are you allowed to? Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're doing this at the Royal Brisbane Hospital, Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital in Brisbane. So if you're if you're a woman who's booked in there and looking for a, a normal vaginal birth, you can come onto our trial, uh, and we're using water injections to relieve abdominal labour pain. Uh, and we're also trialing or starting to look at the use of, of a vapocoolant spray, which is a, a fast freezing spray to sort of help reduce the injection pain. Because we're, we're using six injections for that technique, not four. So they apply the spray first and then they give the injections. Mm-hmm. So how does the spray, spray get applied? Well, it's just a, it's, it's a, um, like a freezing spray, skin freezing spray. Oh, on the skin of yes. the yeah. um, abdomen. So, yeah, and so it just then... evaporates very quickly and, and cools the skin down, which then provides some analgesia for, for the or takes away some of the injection pain. It's like a it's numbing spray, right? It it's is numbing spray, thing. yes, yeah. So and then where are the injections? Like, again, is it just where the person's pain is? I mean, obviously, you've got to develop some uh, kind of guidelines. Yes, because it's, because it's a trial, we have to be fairly, have to have some sort of guidelines about where the, you know, so, so the practice is the same between each participant. So we put one injection at the very top of the pregnancy, so up in the fundus, and then another one between the top of the pregnancy and the, and the belly button, the umbilicus. So we've got two there. And the other four are down, lower down along the pubic bone below the umbilicus. So we're trying to sort of capture where the um, the pain is commonly felt, and then we can give a couple of couple of extra top ups if we've missed any spots along the way. Mm, that's incredible. So if you're birthing at the Royal at the Royal Brisbane, Brisbane, get in touch with your care providers about being on that study. That could be incredible. Is there anything else you can tell us about sterile water injections for pain management in labour? No, just um, just give it a go. I know it's like anything else. It's um, you know, you might think you might get in the shower and get in the water, but if you've if you've got that that back pain, and around about thirty percent of women will get some degree of back pain, then think about the water injections because it's it's it really is very effective. And the plus side um, is that the water injections don't limit your access to water birth or to, or any positioning, like some pain relief. You can't get in the water, and you you almost can't get off the bed with some uh, pain relief. So there's no side effects. It doesn't impact positioning. It can be done by a midwife. There's good evidence behind it. The only thing we've got to get past is the 20 seconds or so of pain. But from what you're saying, the pain element actually might be an important component to its effectiveness. Yes, it's integral to the effectiveness. What we don't know is how much pain do we need to in- inflict to actually get the analgesic, res- the pain, res- pain relieving response. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of, you know, part of that, the, the ongoing studies that we do in terms of number of injections and things like the, the, the vapocooling spray. Yeah. Yeah. Because so if you take that out. away, 
then it might not be effective, right? Well, it might not. And it might be a trade-off in terms of, okay, if you want really good effect, then don't use it. But, you know, if you're kind of a bit worried about the injection pain and you, you're happy to kind of have a slightly less effect, then maybe that's going to work. So it's, there's still a whole lot of work we need to do in terms of refining the technique and understanding the relationship between the injection pain and the and the pain relief provided. Because mm-hmm. the way I always explain it is like I, I had a big brother who's 10 years older than me. And if I would go in and be like, oh, my arm hurts, he'd like punch me in the leg and be like, see your leg doesn't hurt now your arm doesn't hurt anymore and then my my husband's mother would anytime they had mozzie bites she would use her nails and make a cross in the mozzie bite with her <laughs> nail to take the pain away so it's this, the same kind of and that's how i've kind of always explained it it's like yeah, it's, intense pain yeah it's a very similar take response Mm. Yeah, and Mel, we're going to do it at our party. We're just going to, I'm going to hook you up before the party with some steroid water injections. They were invented <laughs> at the same time as cocaine, babe. So <laughs> I'll do it. I had, I had a way of partying. Yeah, well, I had a lot of rib pain in my pregnancy, and I considered when, because when I went to your workshop, Nigel, you said that there are clinicians who do steroid water injections overseas for all kinds of pain. Mm. I was thinking pelvic girdle pain, like as a, you know, this is my kind of space as a pelvis. I'm like, how, because you mentioned sciatica. Well, I mean, people are sent home with injections for like IVF and insulin and um, like. um, That's water. It's not like you can overdose. Yeah, I mean, people could be what what Nigel's saying too is is this is a really simple procedure and, and really if we're te- if we can teach someone to do a subcutaneous injection, we could teach anyone, layperson or not, to do an intradermal injection for these. Well, I, yeah, that's a wrap on today's episode: sterile water injections with Nigel Lee. And as always, if you want to see the research that we use to research this episode, then get on the mailing list, and it's all there. Thanks, Nigel. All right, thank you. All right. Thanks, Nigel. So epic having you on for the last two weeks. That's been awesome. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. Go give sterile water injections to go. Everybody practice on each other. Yeah. It's great. And, thank, and thanks for asking me along. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for doing the research. Epic. You're doing great things. I can't wait to hear. Once you publish the abdominal stuff, we'll have to get you back to talk about it. Okay. Thanks for listening with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and join our mailing list at melaniethemidwife.com. Mel sends out weekly emails with access to all the evidence we use in this podcast. You can find out more about Mel at melaniethemidwife.com and find out more about me, Fee, at coreandfloor.com.au. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs>